Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest, Rock Hall, he's he's not a nominee. He's a he's an inductee, Le- like a fixture, legend, even a riff beast, a gentleman, an all around great dude. The one and only KK Downing on the podcast today. I'm so excited. It's been a minute. It's always great catching up with KK. He's the he's he's a consummate professional. He's an inspiration to us all. Where would we be? No K, no Slayer, no be KK. Lacking a lot of riffs. No KK, no Slayer, no Slayer, no Hatebreed. It's a, it's a trail. It's a it's a it's a it's what is that? What do you call that? Genetics. Lineage. What is that? <laughs> Lineage. <laughs> the caveman brain is not working today. I, before we get to the the show, I want to just announce in case you missed it. I executive produced the new album from Keith Buckley, his new band, Many Eyes. You can contribute to the album, but we're only doing it for another week. So get your name in, in the in the thanks list of the album. Go to martyrstore.net right now. Support Keith, Nick, Charlie, and a great album that I executive produced. It's coming out next year. The single is coming out this week. So by the time you heard this, you could hear the premiere on Octane, or you could just go and support the pmgroup.bandcamp.com or go to... Uh, You'll see when you go to Perseverance Media, you'll see the link to the Bandcamp, but you can listen on Spotify, Apple Music, all that. Big shout out to Susie at Apple Music. Big shout out uh, to Jose and Vinny uh, at Sirius and everybody who's supporting this record and this single. And you can catch many eyes on tour in January. Tickets are going on sale Friday. By the time you're hearing this, they'll be on sale. Or maybe you'll hear this the night before. You just make sure you get your tickets Thursday, Rival Schools and many eyes touring together and also while you're at martyrstore.net donating to the album you can get signed vinyl from corpse grinder ripper and myself Uh, all the lps are marked down right now just to get rid of the last couple dozen that we have and patreon.com slash josta for previews of a ton of other stuff that we're working on also go to gas digital if you want the podcast early and if you want to uh, check out the How Awesome Is This podcast, we'll have a new episode up where we watch Double Team with JCVD. And, so uh, good. And uh, Dennis Rodman. And then, yeah, I was going to plug the shows, but they're all sold out. So thank you so much. The Chance in Poughkeepsie sold out two nights, December 26th and December 29th. So thank you. We added the second night. That's now sold out. Also, West Palm Beach on the 30th is sold out, and the boat, the boat is sold out. So, sorry, everybody. I, there's, the what boat. can you do? You, yeah, the boat is sold out now. There's no more cabins. Everybody's hitting me up now. I'm like, dude, you had the six months <laughs> to get on the boat. But, um, but thank you to Factor Meals. Great meals ready in less than two minutes. Go to factormeals.com slash JOSTA50 and use the code JOSTA50, and you're going to get 50% off. Big thank you to IndieMerchStore.com. Use the promo code JOSTA10, and you'll get 10% off your merch order. Tons of restocks, tons of vinyl, that new, that latest Cannibal Corpse, uh, the latest Thy Art is Murder, a ton of new releases. Go to IndieMerchStore.com. Also, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash JOSTA. I think I already plugged that. Anyways, we enough is enough. KK Downing, the, 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 one of the best dudes out there. Love KK. Enjoy the show, everybody. 
himself back on the podcast thank you so much for the time kk always good to see you brother uh you too buddy and uh yeah 693 am i that's good um yeah that's a <laughs> lot that's a lot of work there buddy congratulations thank you yeah i just uh just got off the plane just finished the hapery tour and i had uh the beginning of the tour i had 10 in a row which i haven't done in years what's what's the longest stretch you've done <laughs> And what's the limit now? I can honestly, well, I think 10 in a row would have to take me back to opening up for Budgie sometime in 1971 or something like that, you know, uh, when we would do these runs in the UK, like 30 plus shows. That was pretty intense, um, you know, so, but... Uh, yeah, but well done, you, buddy. That, so the voice held up all good, yeah. Yeah, that first that first ten shows though, I was I was kind of like, because uh, it's headlining. I could do I could do ten in a row if we're support like that like that Megadeth uh, Lamb of God tour. That was easy. That but they were taking every like two three days off and yeah. sometimes two days off in a row. Even in the early days with Rob. I honestly don't think we ever did 10 in a row. No, I really don't, you know. Um, you know, so... Um, 30, yeah, that's oh, 30 shows ten in, in a just row, the UK? That's 30 with, buddy, with Budgie? Yeah, with Budgie, we did that. We did that more than once as well. Yeah, we did. Wow. With, with the same band. Yeah. Um, and, so and what size rooms was it? Um, decent size rooms. Yeah, we would play like Birmingham Town Hall, you know, um, decent sized rooms. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> Will you do that with KK's Priest? Will you do 30 shows in the UK? I imagine you could, but like who does that? Who still does 30 shows? In well, you know, bands could do that amount of shows. They could. Well, it's a mystery to me, you know, because uh, I've been talking about this recently. You know, I'd like to get back to the old days, it might mean you're playing playing smaller rooms, but you can imagine most bands, let's say, that go to, let's say, Spain and Portugal now, you know, they may just do Madrid, Barcelona, maybe Seville, Lisbon, and then go home. You know, where in actual fact, what would be really cool, you start in the north, uh, the northwest, and do, um, um, maybe Porto, and then go to Bilbao or San Sebastian, Barcelona, come down to Alicante, um, maybe, and then Granada, Malaga, and then over to Seville, Lisbon, and then you go yeah. back to the center of Spain, doing Valladolid, which is a very tough town uh, to pronounce, and then uh, Zaragoza, and finish in Madrid, and then go home, you know, in the old days, 
those are the sorts of tools that you'd put together and um, you know and it would be great to do that and that would be a nice tour for us wouldn't it really because the distances are not so massive you know you know so uh, but maybe maybe one day we'll get back to that let's see but it always seems like now you know drag the people out to see to the band you know so people are getting on flights and boat rides and long train drives long car drives you know to see a band and it gets costly doesn't it and time consuming um yeah you know, in america in the old days you'd go around like we did we did a we did 130 shows on one one two we did all of the majors and then we parked up we had a week's break and then we would go all the way around again doing what they used to call the secondary markets but there were still great markets weren't they you know Biloxi Mississippi or Little Rock Arkansas and there were still great concerts you know and lots of fans in those towns so yeah needs to get back a bit where how it used to be you know the promoters need to uh you know have a good think about that i think you know i agree no because i used to love doing those uk shows where you go to brighton and stoke on trent and uh, yeah. you, uh was it lemonster is that one of them i mean i can't i'm trying to i'm trying to remember this wow yeah that's that's not too far where i am yeah and and so when you think of all the the places that you used to be able to play, to, you know, just on the south coast alone, you got Brighton, Portsmouth, Plymouth, you know, uh, Bournemouth, Bournemouth Winter Gardens, you know, there's four shows there just on the south coast alone. Yeah. And though, and you'll get people that will come out of the woodwork because they'll be like, wow, a lot of bands don't really come here. Yeah. Uh, but Paul, Paul Fairley in our chat says obituary and trivium both toured the UK separate tours recently and both had 20 plus dates. So well, maybe it is going back to that. that, that well, you could, couldn't you, in the UK because you've got, you've got Ireland as well, you know, and, um, and Scotland, Wales, doing combined, surely bands. Bands like us, we could do 20 shows, couldn't we? Surely, yeah. you know, um, you should be able to play Glasgow and Edinburgh, really. You know, I mean, they're big cities, aren't they? Big cities, you know? Yeah, and Wales Wales was a rager when we were there with, like, Machine Head or when we were there with Slipknot. It was, the shows were crazy. But, yeah, just, I guess once you start doing these album cycles and then going if if a new market opens up like we there was tours where one year we did south africa one year we did southeast asia one year we did two tours in australia but yeah what's what is the plan with kk's priest are you going to do a world tour we're sure we've got two albums now that we virgin albums untoured albums we've only done five shows in in our history but they were good shows, though. Three of, the, three of them were headlining festivals. The other one was a bonus gig we picked up at Bloodstock. So we went on before Megadeth there. And the other one was, uh, was a, a warm-up show at uh, KK Still Mill in Wolverhampton, which is a good size venue, to be fair. And, um, yeah, so, uh, so we're just going to do a few shows now in the UK, a handful. And then 
finish in London, and then we're going to do a show in Malta, which is great. So there's KK's Priest, Metal Church, and Burning Witches, and two kick-ass uh, bands from the island, I think. So that's going to be great. Looking forward to Malta. it. Malta. Yeah. Wow. Have you been? Have you been there before? No, no. There's no. some crazy history in Malta. If you want to go yeah. down that Malta rabbit hole. Have you been there? No, but D D Snyder told me because he played there and D was telling me like they they flew him there to do the show. There's some old money in Malta. There's some deep pockets in Malta. Like Malta's got a wild history, right? Because it's kind of like a Monaco or a or a, one of those spots. Well, yeah, it's uh, Liechtenstein. It has, yeah, because when you think about the Mediterranean, Malta's pretty much in the middle of the Mediterranean, isn't it? Just a that little island, you know. But there's, a, there's almost half a million people live on that island, you know. There was a band. There was a band we played with. The, one of the guys was from there. One Minute Silence. Do you remember them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They, I think one of the guys was... What, what, if you're from Malta, what are you? Are you Maltese? Maltese, yeah. The Maltese Falcon. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how did you how did you get that gig? Like, who called, did your agent say? Hey, you want to play Malta? I, it's a hell of a gig, you know. Well, I know lots of bands who have played there. Well, you said Dee's played there. I know Ross the Boss has played there. Lots of bands have played there. Christine Aguilera played there last week. Ex Tina, my favorite. Christina Aguilera. Yeah, did they you... have they have big bands play there. You know, it's a big corporate thing you know um as you said you know follow the money <laughs> yeah ex tina let me tell you when she dated the normie guy like she dated a total normal like joe off the street that gave hope for all us busters all us like you know mid busters we thought all right if he could get ex tina aguilera anybody could get any babe in the world i gotta thank that guy i should google him and find out what his name <laughs> find out what his name was <laughs> he gave us all hope um so i was looking at all the old donnington posters you know we just we did download in uh in june and i was looking at that 1980 lineup with you guys with rainbow and what why why didn't you film i'm sure you probably asked been asked this question a hundred million times but why didn't you film i've heard the bootleg but was there a reason why your well, set wasn't recorded? No, I guess you go there thinking somebody's going to film it, you know, but <laughs> uh, unfortunately it wasn't the case. Uh, but it was, uh, it, was, it was good. It was great to do that show. Great. Because the, the bootlegs that are out there are incredible. Um, but Rainbow and one of the other acts, I think they have, I think Scorpions, right? They recently like put out the footage on their YouTube. Are you, are you actively looking for those old bootlegs or anybody with a handheld camera? Do you ever search out certain shows that you wish you had recorded? No, it would be great to have them all, but uh, some, some pretty old stuff does pop out now and again. I saw some old footage of us in Reading Festival 76 or something like that. That was bizarre, you know. Um, but yeah, like I say, it was back in the day, wasn't it? Before the iPhone and the, you know, it was, it was, it was, it 
was uh, an upheaval, really, to carry around the big camera, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was looked at as like violation. Like it was like you're violating the bands, like the sanctity of the band, you know. And it amazes me now. You know, some people I go out there with their iPhones and that that for the whole show, and I'm thinking, yeah. you know, they sacrifice themselves for their art, you know. Uh, but all 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 credit to them. Thank you so much, all you guys that take the time to do that. You know, it's very good of you. You know, and. Um, and a lot of them make a pretty good job of it, to be fair. They're zooming in and, and shit like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think there's a case to be made that for, for KK's Priest at Donington at Download uh, 2024. Like, what do we got to do? Do we got to get Andy Copping on the horn and start a petition? Yeah. What do we got to do? Yeah, yeah, we should. We, uh, we're definitely ready to go. Um, we have confirmed some festivals for next year, you know, and uh, – but. We would like to do like a lot of bands because there's like six months worth of festivals in Europe. You know that there's so many of them, you know. So to do a festival tour, if you can put enough of them together, would be great for the band. So we'd very much like to do that, you know. Um, so all the promoters out there and, and we're desperate to come back to the States. You know, I mean, KKS Priest, we haven't been there yet, but we are, we are going to do the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Um, you know, I spoke, to Eddie, I spoke to Eddie the other day, and uh, he says, you're still coming, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, Eddie, we're coming, you know. We've bought our paddle. We'll, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get the boat moving. <laughs> That's great. So your visas will still – so then we got to talk Milwaukee Metal Fest because Ripper came and did a solo gig, and it was amazing, and everybody there was like, when are, when are you going to bring KK? So now that I own the festival – I think, uh, and, and if you're going to have visas already for the cruise, oh, yeah, as long yeah. as it's not an exclusive, maybe, no. yeah, I'm going to have to send your agent a proposal, I think. Send us an invoice. We'll definitely be there. Yeah. We're, um, in all honesty, like I said, it's been a while since I actually did the world trip, uh, but we're ready to go now. So two albums, you know, I guess if, if anything COVID did for this band, I suppose, like a lot of other bands, helped us put a lot of material and it's ready. The album's out now on Friday, 29th. A uh, new video coming out with a hymn, a song, Hymn 66. And uh, <clears throat> and yeah, we're ready to go. You know, have you, where have you ever the lads, are, the lads are flying over from the States at the end of the week and uh, we're going to get stuck in a, and. Uh, and uh, I get back out there again, you know. Great. Have you ever been to India? No, but I would sure as hell love to. Have you been there? No? No, but we had an offer. We couldn't do it. We had a pretty good offer for a festival there, and I saw it got announced. Um, and They're getting some big-name bands. I know that uh, Lamb of God has been there and some other testament has been there, but um, I was thinking about you know sending it over to ripper you know to say hey like either you or kk you solo or you or, or you with kk um you know you should think about going to these sort of off the beaten path places because i really feel like that's the way that a lot of these bands have survived and really honed their craft when the other markets were either oversaturated 
or the tour opportunities just weren't there. Like I remember Sepultura was telling us go to Siberia and like they went and did like eight shows in Siberia and oh, the shows wow. were huge and they crushed. I hope that was in the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 way up there, isn't it? Really? But yeah, I mean, because there's, there's metal fans everywhere. You know, I've been doing interviews uh, with people in India now for a, at least a couple of decades. You know, I mean, there's always been a metal market there. So uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, we're open. I love curry. Yeah, I love yeah. India. What about what about Iceland? Yeah, why not Reykjavik? Let's go there. I know Whitesnake went there about twenty years ago. I remember them going. So I stand corrected. I'm sure they went there. You know. So uh, yeah, why not? I want to go there. I want to go to Greenland, Iceland. I've been to South Africa. You know where we we haven't been though is. Uh, Madagascar. I wonder oh, if there's metal in Madagascar. May well be. Um, <laughs> there may well be. Um, interesting. <laughs> Sounds nice though, doesn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. there's there's not a lot of places left, which I guess is a good thing. Maybe Fiji or maybe I don't know the Easter Island. I think a lot of those Somalian pirates say that. Stand corrected. Hey, as long as they as long as they don't try to take down the uh, the monsters of rock cruise. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I was listening to old school uh, Venom on my flight this morning. Yeah, very cool. Black metal, and I thought, very. where is Kronos? Yeah. Where what is he doing right now? And I thought, would KK have you kept in touch with him? He's fronting Venom, isn't he? And I think um, and Jeff is fronting Venom Inc. You know. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So it's one of those things. The band's divided. You know, it's sad when that happens, but seemingly it's not always avoidable. But there you go. Do you remember when they started? Do you remember when you first met them? Yeah, I didn't meet them for a long time. I speak to Jeff quite a bit now, you know. Um, um, we, we kind of, especially after he, ha he had his uh, art attack and that, you know, all credit to him. But he's back on it. He's back on it now. Jeff, yeah, he's, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, they, uh, they were pretty unique, weren't they? They were thrown in with the so-called new wave of, of heavy metal in England in about 1978. Um, but they were pretty radical. They were pretty radical. They were, they were tough. But they, they, they certainly put out some good songs, some good albums, you know. Um, they certainly did. And they've written a lot of good songs. So well done to those guys, you know. It, it, I think it's cool now that there's less division where now you could see the type of bills where you know you have the classic sounding bands and then you have the death metal bands and then the the black metal or the or the speed metal but everyone seems to be more open-minded whereas i don't remember ever seeing um aside from the odd festival too i don't ever remember seeing like maiden playing with venom or priests playing with venom or and i always wondered about that um 
I guess it, later on with you know Metallica and, and bands, the thrash, you know, there was more of a synergy. We did have an awful lot of, uh, you know, you know, the kind of heavier side of, uh, I mean, bands like Celtic Frost and, you know, bands like that. We had tons of bands. Uh, we had uh, way back Norwegian bands on there. I can't remember all the names now. But we had a lot of, um, you know, one thing, and it's always difficult, to put a, a package together where you get, you know, kind of like, you know, um, bands that would make all, all of the fans, like, for example, like Judas Priest are going out now with Judas Priest, Saxon, and Uriah Heep. Heep. Well, that, that's kind of a slam dunk, because do you know what I mean? But we, we went out for years with uh, support bands, Metallica, Testament, um, Pantera, Annihilator, you know, lots of great bands, but we were never afraid to take the heavier hitters out there with us. Well, yeah, no, that that was always very cool. And also they've all, all those bands that you mentioned, you know, have cited you as an influence. Yeah, and, and tracks and I mean you name the list goes on along and we had great time we got and I'm really happy because we made so many good mates, you know, we were a lot of good mates in those bands, you know. And um and it was good. I, I think back in those days, promoters were thinking, okay, Priest will draw the crap, the classic crowd in, you know, all the guys, and we'll have, you know, Testament or Megadeth bringing in the newer guys. And it kind of mixed like that, you know. Did it work? Maybe. Well, I think it was pretty good, you know. Yeah. yeah. When you when you took when you guys took Pantera, that was their first European tour, right? It absolutely was, you know. Um, and they were, there's us, Annihilator was second and Pantera was third on there, you know. And um, and like I said, but we had a wonderful tour. That was one of the best tours I remember. We had such, so many laughs, such a good time. You know, obviously Dimebag, he was so funny. You know, I was, what a character. But the whole band, they, I, mean, I often tell the story, they used to crack us up, you know, because... We used to come out. We used to come off stage, and eventually we'd get told off and come out of our dressing room. And every night there'd be a line there. You know, uh, the guy were in the beer line. You know, <laughs> Pantera with the road because they drunk all of their beer, and they formed a queue. You know, outside of our dressing room because they knew we would have some fresh cold beers. You know, it was so funny. It was so funny. You know. Did uh, did did they try to get you to do the the black tooths and and all that the, all the shots and stuff like were you ever a hard partier did you did you party with them yeah yeah we, we you know i mean i think it's fair to say that we uh we, we had our days you know um you know um i think yeah beer was not so much a pastime it was more of a passion <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but we had such good fun. And that was in the days, you know, Dimebag, he only had two guitars. And I checked his guitars out. There was only one of them that was remotely playable. And I say that, you know, and because but he made he made those guitars work. And, uh, you know, so I looked down the neck and it was just like a dog's hind leg, you know. I mean, and he was self-admitted. The action was like this high. I'm thinking... But like it, it, it's often like that with the greats, isn't it? You know, 
you put that in your tires up and you think, how did the guys play this, you know, and they're just like geniuses, you know, but it's what they grew up with, you know, but um, obviously uh, the whole band went on to great things because they were such a force to be reckoned with, you know. I remember playing one, one gig, we played on that tour, yeah, I think it was in Norway, and the stage was, wasn't big enough to get all bands on, so Pan- Pantera sat that gig out, sadly. Can you imagine that, you know, because they were third on the bill, so they were the ones that had to sadly suffer. I often remember that sacrilege. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. I, we almost did that once with Slayer and uh, Fear Factory, and we ended up playing in the barricade so we had the drums kind of set up right in the, and we, they were like really you want us we were like we want to play so we so like we kind of stood in between the barricade and still played but yeah I, i've i've seen that happen luckily now like the venues can accommodate it even yeah. or or if you really get in good with the drum tech you you have them move the drum riser back you know you maybe you throw them a hundred dollar handshake I'm with you, mate. There's got to be a way to make it work, for God's sake. But, like, you know, usually you're headlining, you know, you get there just before you go on a half an hour and you find out that a, a band didn't play. And I'm, you think to yourself, if I'd have been there, there's always got to be a way, hasn't there? There's got to be a way, you know, to make it happen. Like you said, fair play, you know, playing in the barricade. <laughs> You take the stage down and we'll play on the floor. We'll all get on the floor, surely, you know. And then we actually sold the shirts like right across the barricade. And we sold a lot of fucking shirts. It was actually kind of better than having to go set up and <laughs> we were just like, we were taking I'm giving out change. Yeah, I mean that's that's the old like hardcore punk rock spirit. But do you did you ever get into any of the punk rock? I know it was really divided in the early days, late seventies, early days, but were there's any were there any that was like a guilty pleasure for you or any that you really liked? Uh, it was so tough because you you got you put up this barrier against it, you know, because you kind of felt this threat because it wasn't just punk, it was new wave and punk together, if you remember. And you're thinking, wow, you know, we've got to fight this off. But bands stopped too. And I think the one year, in the whole of the UK, I think there was just us in UFO that toured, to, to be fair. You know, uh, it was so so oppressive. It was coming down like a big curtain, you know. Before, you know, all the gigs over, booking. We, it's the big thing, you know. We're putting new wave bands on. We're putting punk bands on. You know, we didn't really get a look in, but... Um, it was pretty tough, you know. And then, and then even when we did play, audiences they'd seen so many punk bands where the the, the bands spit at the audiences and the audience spit back. So when we would play, especially in the London areas, everybody spitting at us, you know. But, and they think it's the thing that they're supposed to do, you know. So it, it was pretty ugly for a while, but we rode the storm out. Yeah, you did. You really did. You survived. Did you ever meet like Sid Vicious or Johnny Rotten or Joey Ramone? I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Ramones. Yeah, we met the Ramones. They were, they were lovely, really. You know, um, a couple of the guys we played there. I think it was that at Madison Square Gardens when we played it. 
And when all the seats got ripped, a couple of the guys come down there, Joey, and we met the guys there. They were nice. I think I did meet the Sex Pistols once, and I met their manager, definitely, Malcolm McLaren. Uh, met him a couple of times. Um, but I did see the Sex Pistols play a couple of times. It was quite something to watch, you know, when they were at their height of it, really. They played in Wolverhampton in a small club there, you know. Um, but uh, it was it was... It was interesting, but not really for me, if you know to me. Yeah, yeah. I think there's we're having a big punk resurgence right now in the States. And it's I love it because it's it's great to see people that are like barely fretting a chord and the place is going crazy. And it's like it's it's so simplistic and and primal. There's no light show, no nothing. Believe me, I love both. Like I want to go see the bands with the big production and the pyro and the screens. But there's something about kids being able to just get up there with the basic sort of skills, with all the lights on at like some, you know, community center. And they're getting like hundreds of people going nuts. And I, I think um, I, I think it's really cool, but yeah, I could see it being must have been really strange back in the day, like late seventies, early eighties, when you know they're trying to make you guys look as if you're passe, and you're like, well, hey, we could play our instruments. We, you know, you guys liked us in the beginning. Like, what? Now you don't like us? We didn't influence you. Yeah, they. Um, I would have to say it was. The, the guys made a good noise, that's for sure. You know, it was good. It was good. I mean, the Sex Pistols, just for the four-piece that they were, but they pounded it out. It was, you know, pretty impressive considering. I don't think any of the songs had any endings, did they? They just kind of stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, some, <laughs> Some had some interesting arrangements. I remember for a covers record we were working on, we were going to do a discharge cover, and we were trying to figure it out. We we're trying to figure out the notes and the arrangement, and the t and the, and that like there was like extra measures of different parts and stuff. And discharge was hard, man. I mean, they them and exploited like we. You were talking about Portugal and Spain. We actually did. We did the tour where poor Wadi had the heart attack, um, during the tour, and. uh that was really cool to see just the support for, cause it was napalm death, us and exploited. So you had three different crowds. You had the death metal, the hardcore, the grindcore, and the punk. And everybody came together going crazy. I mean, there was, you know, there was fights and stuff, but, um, but I think, you know, exploited discharge. I mean, the UK, it's like, you guys, I don't know what was in the water, but between the metal and the punk and the grindcore and the death metal, what it like what's going on? And then before you know it, you get the new wave of British heavy metal toward just on the tail end of all of that, which was um, <clears throat> which was fantastic really, wasn't it? Because you had that happen with, you know, Def Leppard and uh, so many of the guys, Iron Maiden and uh, and Venom and the guys and uh Quite a lot of bands, Diamond Head, you name it. It was it was pretty good, and um, but they're talking about another new wave now of British heavy metal bands. But can't really say that I know who they are. But you know, bring it on, I say, because it would be great to have another resurgence 
Oh yeah, there's there's so many good ones. Like you got to listen to like Silosis and uh, Malevolence. There's a yeah. there's a lot of great bands. But I, but that's what I was thinking. I'll, like, make, man, you guys I'll make a note of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean Hell Hell Ripper is sick. There's and there's all different styles, and that and that's why I always thought it was so yeah. cool because you know but, even uh, though in, in a classic metal feel though or more. Um, Hell Ripper has a little like venom and a little classic metal influence. Um, I'm trying to think. There's there's a lot more though. There's there, there are a bunch in that classic vein. Malevolence and Silosis are more sort of thrash and hardcore crossover. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. yeah but I, you know, you know, because you, you, you recorded Painkiller, so I mean, I, yeah, like I say, because cool is an age thing, but obviously I grew up on, you know. Uh, obviously, Scorpions, UFO, obviously, you know where I'd go, Hendrix, Cream, you know, Maiden, Priest. It's just all of that kind of stuff. And Deep Purple, you name it, really, so many bands. Um, but obviously, I'm a, uh, you know, um, but all of the people I've, I've had pleasure of meeting and going to their concerts, you know, um, like, uh, obviously, I'm a big Machine Head fan. I just went up to their show in Manchester last year with a monomorph as well. They put on a great show, you know, and bands like Sabaton. You know, there's lots of really, really good bands as well, you know. Not not to forget Hatebreed, but it. Was there anybody? Was there anybody? Stone now. You've been around. You, you know, um, you've got some miles on the clock, haven't you? You know. I mean, it's been look how long it's been since you did uh, the Headbangers Ball with us in in New York. What year was that? That was a long yeah. time ago, you know. Oh three, oh four, yeah, at yeah. least twenty years. Quick interruption, letting you know today's episode is brought to you by Indie Merch Store Doc, your one stop shop for all things metal and music and merchandise related. You know they were one of the best, the biggest, and best sponsors of the uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest. And they have so many killer pre-orders right now. When you go to the site, you'll see Vidyarta, Vidyarta. I, I just played them on, I played them on the music show and I, I knew I was going to butcher the name, but I think I got it right just then. How do you say it? Vid, Vild, is it Vild with an L? Vidyarta. I mean, the, those Norse move their tongues in mysterious ways. You know what I mean? They really do. And the people like the song when I played it on the music show. It's it's different. It's wild. It's kind of genty, heavy. I don't even know what proggy. I don't even know what you would describe it as, but it was badass. Also, within destruction, they got sweatpants, they got metal blade records merch, they got uh pre-orders for the cranium. Oh, cranium is hard. Cranium with a K. Did I tell you about them? No, I gotta check them out. Oh, dude, scriptures of this vicennial defilement. I was like, just I just read that. I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta play this on the music show. gotta check that just on, off the strength of that name alone then i saw they had another thing it was like slamaholics volume two and i'm like oh this is gonna be some brutal death metal and it was it was great and i guess the the spelling the words differently because it's k-r-a-a-n-i-u-m that's coming back like that was a new metal thing right but now it's back yeah, I, I feel like that was like the 90s, like when everybody was just trying to be like, how how hard can we make this word look like K has yeah. all sorts of sharp points on it, you know? 
Yeah, so it's perfect for a death metal band and death metal logo. And then also you don't got to waste your money on a, on a trademark trying to get like cranium.com with the regular spelling. No, you got that smart. This is marketing genius. genius. K-R-A-A-N-I-U-M. And you get all the people who don't know how to spell. If, there you go. Well, you'll you know? see it all over there at IndieMerchStore.com and uh, use the promo code JOSTA10. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, but, was there anybody that you that you went to the show and that you were truly like starstruck? You said Cream. Like, did you ever meet Clapton? No, I don't think I ever did. No, um, I just I've been. I got Hendrix's autograph a couple of times and been face to face. You know, what was that a, like? You waited as a fan. You know, I was a fan. I mean, I tell the story, but pe- people then. So I'm at the Isle of Wight. Music, I like music festival. I got his autograph outside the uh, backstage at the Royal Albert Hall, and there was only a couple of us there, which was great. You know, I was guy, you know, the hero. I mean, because he had so much charisma, didn't he? You know, he oozed charisma. He looked great, played great, sound. But and anyway, so um, so I'm at the Isle of Wight music festival, and it's getting really, really late. He didn't go on till really, really late. And we managed to sneak into the uh, into the photography pit and that. And from there, we managed to get to the dressing rooms, which were like old-fashioned English caravans, you know. And so, and uh, and we sussed out the caravan that we thought he was in, and we got really close. And we could, that's Jimmy's voice, you know. And so these caravans, they had like hinged windows, you know, with like little curtains. And so. We hinged the window up like that and pulled the curtain back. And Jimmy was sat around there with Noel and Mitch and two girls around a little table, you know. And uh, and they were really, really cool because once they just we were fans, they were pretty cool. They didn't go, oh, fuck off and shut the window down, <laughs> you know. They went, hey, you guys shouldn't be here. So, Jimmy, you know, can we get an autograph, you know. And... Uh, so uh, they kind of give us an autograph, and then um, Jimmy was drinking a, a traditional bottle of Coca-Cola, and and he finished it. And I says, "Oh, Jimmy, can we have the bottle?" And he give us the empty bottle, you know. And uh, and my mate got a drumstick, and it was like happy days, happy days. And this was just before they would go in. The guys were just waking up; they'd been asleep, I think. You know. And so, uh, do you still have the bottle? No, mate. I wish I did. I wish I did. I, I think he's got stolen from me. Have you have you gone down the rabbit hole of his death? Like, have you ever looked into that and and really dug deep and seen some of the unanswered questions? Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty ambiguous. The whole thing is: is will we ever know? Who knows? It's. Um, there's too many stories going around. It's hard to know. Jamie, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really, you know, to me, it's the, it was like with, uh, if, it was like when Bon went, you know, Bon Scott, because we, we did that tour and we'd just come off that tour, you know, which was, it was a highway, highway to hell tour, right? All throughout Europe. And that was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And then we heard about that, and it was a case, I don't want to know what happened. It's happened, you know, and it's like the circumstances surrounding it. 
it is what it is at the end of the day it's a tragedy you know and um so i guess but one day i guess maybe something will come out but if it hasn't up till now maybe we won't know any more than we actually do know now sadly well the the one story I had heard was that he had he had took a trip to Morocco and went to see a clairvoyant, like got a tarot reading and they pulled the death card. And so he had been worried about it. And and I'm like, it's also very cinematic, like all the different theories of, you know, was it a suicide or did did the management have, a, you know, was was he worth more money dead than alive? Uh, things like that, but it, it makes you think: Why hasn't there been the 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 real film, like the real biopic, like um, like Queen has gotten? And why hasn't there been? Um, I mean, I would think also by now we would have known if there was different like offspring. Like I thought for sure, if you had asked me twenty years ago, I thought for sure Jimmy's, you know, ill, you know son would come up through Deanna and, and there'd be a new guitar player, you know, his long lost son or things like that. I mean, I've read so many different things, but you know, you being a, an old school fan and actually having met him and been yeah. influenced by him, I, I wondered what you thought of all that. Yeah. I think when it happened, it was such a massive shock, wasn't it? It was just like a bolt from the blue, you know, um, but I think that that's my take on it. As long as, because it was the world that we lived in then, wasn't it? 1970 it was drugs, alcohol. It was, it was absolutely out there. And, and, and these people, consumers, people really, they weren't doctors, physicians. And, you know, and I think a lot of times, a lot of people felt that they were pretty understood undestructible and I think that we went through that I think we at some point you know when you get success you know and there's money and you you feel as though you have this like superpower you know that nothing can bring you down you know and um, and I think a lot of guys in bands go through that you know some guys manage to get back control of it, but other guys just push it to the edge, um, just naively. And I, I kind of, I'm kind of prepared to put it down to that really with, with, uh, with Jimmy, I think really, because he wasn't he, a big guy. He was tiny, you know, really, he looks huge on stage, doesn't he? Yeah. But he looks so skinny, you know, um, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm just a small guy as well, uh, but I was expecting him to be, you know, like twice my size, you know, but he wasn't. He was just a, just a, a slip of a guy, really. So you've you got to be careful what you do to your body, you know. Uh, so you went to the Isle of Wight Festival? Yeah, both times, yeah. Um, I think it was Bob Dylan headlined the second time, wasn't it? I think, but yeah, so I was there as a fan, you know, a music fan. I yeah, mean, was it well, really six hundred thousand people? Like, I can't. I look at that footage of the US Festival and I think double that. How is that even possible? Yeah, I don't know about that. To me, the US Festival was the biggest crowd I've ever seen. 
um, that was ginormous, you know, but I don't know. I was just right down at the front, you know, um, and it was, wasn't that difficult to get there. You just got to be a bit pushy, but I was there, you know, with all the photographers and, um, yeah, amazing, but be great to turn back the clock, wouldn't it really? If if they do the if they do a real film like if the estate could actually get it done and get the music in because I know they did a film but I don't think they licensed any of the music I think it had to be just portions of re-records by other people like I and I know they don't want any sort of glorification of drug use hopefully I'm not mischaracterizing that but um the just the last days of Jimi Hendrix alone between the Isle of Wight festival and then. The Gothenburg uh, show where I guess, you know, the one of the former girlfriends had showed up with a paternity claim and then the the um, open air. I think it was open air love and peace festival. And then the whole thing with the biker gang, you know, security and the guy getting the roadie getting shot. I mean, this would be the greatest movie. Yeah. Yeah. But who would play KK in the Judas Priest movie? Who, who Brad Pitt? Like who are we gonna? Who are we gonna? <laughs> I, I don't know. It never really works when other people play real people. Do you think it really works? I mean, it's kind of difficult, you know. Um, you know, but uh, you know because they did the thing with the Sex Pistols and they did the thing with Def Leppard, didn't they? You know, and. Um, the sex pistols the sex pistols thing no disrespect i saw disney plus sex pistols i was like i'm out i'm not i'm not this is there's no way i'm watching this you couldn't pay me to watch and i'm sorry because they, i think one of the guys was gonna i think i was pitched having one of the guys on the podcast and I, I, i'm like I, go ahead. I, we were playing a gig once in margaret street i think it was the speakeasy um we played that a couple of times that was when Al Atkins was singing for the band. And um, yeah, I think that was, that was a time when some of these guys were still about, you know, these young punkers, you know, wanting to be when they're first starting, you know. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that some of those guys were around in the in the early seventies, you know, um, just starting to kind of, you know, like seventy two to seventy three, you know, they were still around, you know, and um, and I believe they came in because in the very very early days, um, I, I don't know whether they were called then, but Johnny Rotten was there. And Sid Vicious were there because they were looking for a DJ because they were going to beat this DJ up because he said something bad about them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember being there. Somebody said, I remember um, one of those places that lots of people used to go. Gary Moore was there that night, you know. Um, that was another tragedy. People go, such a shame. Phil Lynott, Phil Lynott, you know. Um, but like the guys, these superstars, they're etched in stone now, aren't they? You know, such great memories. And somehow it's nice to see, well, not nice to see, you know, but I wouldn't like to see Jimi Hendrix. He must be, how old would he be now? He'd probably be, 
80 years old, maybe something like that. Can't remember. I have, yeah. to, do the math. I have to do the math. Yeah. I, I did go see the Hendrix show that they were touring, and there's a there. I don't know if you're familiar with Eric Gale, but he was uh, he yeah. was incredible. Yeah, and, uh, Zach Zach yeah. Wilde came out and did some songs, and Rich from uh, Black Crows. Yeah, but is there any uh, new ish or newer like guitar players that you really like their style or their 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 playing? Everybody's good these days, aren't they? You know. Um, <laughs> You mentioned Zach. Zach is a great Hendrix player. You know, he's a great Hendrix player. When I first saw him do that, um, play some Hendrix stuff at a shopping mall car park when he was young, you know, I'm thinking, wow, this, this is so good. You know, um, yeah, he he got a big pop from the crowd. He, it was him and Eric Gales, him and Eric Gales got the biggest pop. But Rich Robinson got a is big that on pop. YouTube. I'd like to, I'd like to see that. He's on YouTube that show. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I I, I went because Eddie was actually hosting it. This was years ago, years and years ago. But I went with Eddie. Eddie was hosting it. We did the podcast down there at the Hard Rock in Florida and. And it, the show was awesome. Actually, it's it's an old. You don't realize how old the audience is. It's mostly people seated. But when Zach came out, he got people to yeah, their yeah. feet. Yeah. Um. But would you, uh, if you, if you, if there was a Hendrix tribute, like what song would you want to do? Oh, <laughs> like a, a new tribute. Yeah. Well. His rendition of Wall Thing is close to my heart. I just love that. Um, but, you know, I, I actually, in the early days, in, it, 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 was, it would have been in late 1969, I actually did uh, Spanish Castle Magic in our set because we, we didn't have enough songs when our, our Atkins was in the band. We didn't have enough songs to, to put a set together. So we had to play some a few covers but we were, i was so staunch so i never wanted to play anybody else's music but i did play uh i did i can remember playing spanish castle magic because we used to do we used to do some covers like uh quatermass covers you know they were a three-piece with a keyboard you know stuff like black sheep of the family and uh, saturday post-war echo stuff like that i think you know so that, that pretty obscure stuff. But the reason I like that is because it wasn't progressive blues. It was more kind of what I, the music I, I wanted to play, you know. And um, I got to check some of that stuff out. I'm going to make yeah. a note of that. Yeah. And I, don't, I wonder if there's, there's, there's no bootlegs out there with you with Al Atkins or those shows. Was there any recorded live from, board, from the board tapes or anything? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think there is some, yeah. Um, but uh, there is a story. Somebody told me the other day that Richie Blackmore fell out. It was one of the reasons of his departure. He wanted to do a cover of Black Sheep of the Family in the band, and nobody wanted to do it, and he wasn't happy. So <laughs> somebody says that might have been why he quit the band. But, um, you know, so um, that's a shame that we didn't get to hear that in Deep Purple. That would have been so cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, you're right. I see that right here. There's, um, they they ended up doing it. Did they do it in the end? 
Yeah, they ended up doing it. This a couple of these uploads, it, it has all different um dates on the uploads, but uh yeah, it looks like bad bad. That, yeah. That that is a great song for Deep Purple to, to do. I don't know why they had an adversity to doing that song, but it's so kind of deep purple, really. You know? What was because, your experience with Richie? Like when when you've met him, like what was your takeaway? Are you were you guys ever close? No, I never met him. Really? Uh, I, yeah, Ian Gillen and obviously Roger Glover produced Sin After Sin. Um, Ian, I don't. I met John Lord quite a few times because they came out and did some shows with us in America. There's a lineup for you. I believe it was Judas Priest, White Snake, and Iron Maiden. Wow. On the same bill. <laughs> Damn. Talk about Monsters of Rock, man. That's amazing. What year was that? No idea. <laughs> Probably. We had it. I don't know. We had a challenge the other night on the bus, on the Hatebreed bus. We had a challenge, the first person who could name a White Snake song that wasn't about love. And our drummer, Matt, he, he came up with two. I know. It's like, I got to go listen. To that. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah, tricky, tricky. The, the names are escaping me right now. But what, so when you did this, this new cake, you got one? <laughs> Before you go there, right, I remember there was one day when KK stood up and stood my ground. I stood up and I went, right, that's it. Fuck it. I'm never, ever going to play on a song ever again with the word love in it. <laughs> and that was when I was obviously a Judas priest. I went, that's it. I'm done. It ain't I love it. Retire so, it. Retire I, love. I don't know at what point that was or whether I actually went back on my word. <laughs> but I did. I just totally thrown my toys out of the pram. I said, fuck it. That's it. No more songs <laughs> with the word loving. I'm done. Because we, we, we did a lot, didn't we, really? <laughs> when, we had uh we had Miles Kennedy on the show and he said I'm not doing any more songs with fire. I'm I'm retiring fire. No more fire. But okay. I like yours because you you know you you switched it up. You had Hellfire Thunderbolt. I mean that was I was like, "All right, there you go. You know, make it new, make it fresh." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who yeah. wrote those lyrics? What's that? Hellfire. Who wrote those lyrics? Yeah. Maybe. For Hellfire Thunderbolt. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you write all the lyrics on the album? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I shut myself away. Like I say, because the band wasn't formed for the for Sermons of the Sinner, you know, because uh, we did a jam, me, Tim, Dave Ellison, um, uh, and Les Binks and the guys. And, and, and that Christmas, I'm thinking, should we put a band together, you know? And because I did that, I did that, those, those songs with Bloodstock with uh, Ross the Boss as well. I'm thinking, I don't want to embarrass myself here, form a band, and then go, okay, let's write some songs, and I can't write. I've tried. So I was like, I'll shut myself away to Christmas. Christmas, literally, you know, boring. So for me, anyway. Um, and uh, and see if I could do it. And I just shut myself away, and I just, three or four weeks, I had the whole thing done. And just did. And I thought, right now, I feel bold enough to ask the guys to, 
for you know if I want to put a band together with me knowing that I've got some materials to draw on you know and that's what I did that's amazing the, I'm I just found the um lyrics for Black Sheep of the Family they're so good yeah. I mean talk it's just like and I guess that it, there's a site called Song Facts that explains like that Richie felt like the song was very autobiographical because he was the black sheep of the family in Deep Purple. And um, yeah. it's, wow, it's amazing. It kind of reminds me of uh, just, just you know, the, the success story, like the just the, the beating all the odds type of lyrics, which is great. Yeah. And of course, that comes out sometime in the late 60s or whenever it was. And, um, and of course, you know, if that hadn't have been done, what a great find that title would be now for a lyricist, Black Sheep of the Family. It's, uh, it's all there, isn't it? You know. Yeah, he, I guess he got together with Dio, who was at the time was with Elf to record it as a single and it turned out so well they needed a B-side but when the B-side was recorded it turned out to be even better this led them to recording an album and the, and the formation of Rainbow I don't know how accurate these sites are but I love reading stuff about this was there um you know we we were talking about uh, actually with David Elfson on the show we were talking about these funny stories about uh just stuff that happens in the studio, like magic that happens in the studio. And I don't know if you heard the one about uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, where the guy, the pizza guy, the pizza delivery guy actually played the piano in the bridge on taking care of business. Did you ever hear that story? No. It's incredible. And they, 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 the guy is on the album and the guy went on to have success with other people. But did you ever have any sort of weird moments in the studio with with priest or even now with with kk's priest where magic happens and it's like serendipitous um no i can't really say i mean you know it's all about work now and getting the job done isn't it you know um but back in the day i think it's fair to say that we're we we were in the lap of luxury, really, for a lot of it. You know, when you had unlimited time in quality studios, you know, and uh, and all the crazy stuff went on and the things happened. Nowadays, it's back to work as usual, really, isn't it? You know, it's like, and a lot of stuff's done remotely as well now, isn't it? Obviously, we we still go into the studio, do the drums, backing vocals, reamp guitars, sometimes crank up the amp so you can make a real lot of noise in the studio and do some stuff and it's all great to do. But you can get so much done now, literally at home in your home studio, you know, and uh, and I like that really because you can do it when you feel like doing it. That was the problem. They used to lock us away in the studio in a country we'd never been to before, in a town where didn't know where the fuck we was, you know, and, and here you are, you know, you don't have a car. You, we, we had one one van car, you know. Um, you know, so you kind of were stuck. And I often wonder if record labels and managers did that. Okay, we'll send them to Puck Studios in Randers, in the middle of Danish farmland, and 
they're bound to get on with doing the album because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> and yeah. I, often, I often think, was all that premeditated? Probably. But we would all pile into that car, as many people as we could, and it was off to the pub we go. Let's find the nearest <laughs> source of alcohol and the nearest source of girls, and that's what happened, you know. And obviously, when you did get out there, you just went a bit crazy, you know, as you would imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, what was it? Like, when you did Painkiller, that was in France, right? Miraval, or what was the studio yeah, called? Yeah, again, fuck. I mean, this place, and it was beautiful, don't get me wrong. It was in a vineyard owned by Jacques somebody who was a famous French pianist who we never saw, and we stayed there. We never ever got to meet him. And we stayed there, and they produced their own wine, which was great, which was great, some limited wine on tap. That was great. But, uh, you know, we needed beer on tap is what we really needed. Um, but anyway, I slept in the little church, the little chapel, because nobody else had had that gig except me. And, um, and it was down a track, a dirt track, on on studios all the time, but down this dirt track, <laughs> track, and you think, are we ever going to get there? You know, and you would come out there, and if you ever went to walk up this track, you'd see wild pigs, wild boar, big black ones. Luckily, behind fences, you know what I mean. But like, they were pretty scary things. But anyway, this is what they used to do to us, you know. Back in the day, but we never really twigged it. We never cottoned on, but they used to do it on purpose. I'm sure they did, you know. But we always found a way of getting out there. <laughs> Quick interruption, let you know today's episode with KK Downing is brought to you by Factor Meals. I love Factor Meals. You know why? It's delicious, it's nutritious, and it's ready in two minutes or less. Factor Meals offers a ton of variety, like things like green goddess chicken bruschetta bruschetta what is a bruschetta it's like a little toast right i think it's a toast with the tomatoes it's delicious bruschetta shrimp risotto so is that like carbs on carbs that sounds amazing gonna be it's tomatoes like croutons it's gonna be delicious they even have grilled steakhouse filet mignon ready in just two minutes like i said earlier too busy running around during the day to think about lunch that's okay, Buster. Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. After the podcast today, go to factormeals.com slash Josta50 and use the code Josta50 and you're going to get 50% off. That's code Josta50 at factormeals.com and use the code Josta50. 50, 50. We need that fucking, this 50. is 50. This is 50 logo throwing up 50% off. Uh, and remember, get factor, enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes, Buster. So take a blue chew. <laughs> no, we don't have to go there. Factor, no prep, no mess. Factormeals.com slash Josta50, promo code Josta50. Now back to the show. I, I, I always wondered because, and, and tell me if, the, if my timeline is off here, but when, when, 
you replaced Dave Holland. That was 89. Then you record Painkiller in 90. Did you go see, like, how did you find Scott? Like, did you go actually go see Racer X play and think, you know, this guy is it? Like, how did it work? No, but no. Rob introduced Rob. Well, it goes back because Jeff, the singer, Jeff Martin, was from Phoenix. You know, that's where he lived. That's where he came from. And um, he played in a band there, a very good band, really. Um, and Jimmy Keeler was a good mate of mine, a guitar player, a uh, lovely guy. Um, and we used to hang, we, I, we used to spend a lot of time in Phoenix and we used to hang out with the band and go into the band, hang out rock clubs and all of that. And uh, then when Jeff became singer in Racer X, you know, obviously, Rob and Jeff stayed in touch, and um, and I don't know what was going on with Razor Hex, whether whether they were disbanding or something was going on, but when we were looking for a drummer, Rob said about Scott, and of course we knew about Scott, he was drummer for Razor Hex, and we were saying, is he available? And Rob says, yeah, yeah, I think he's available. You know, Scott will do. So we flew him to Spain, and we did some auditions down in the south of Spain uh, for Painkiller. We auditioned two drummers, and that was it. The Who other was lady, the other one? I can't remember his name. I, I honestly can't remember his name. I'm not sure it's bad of me, but it was a long time ago. But he was a great drummer too. But I'm not sure if he played double kicks. But anyway, he was a great drummer. I just can't remember his name. But anyway, Scott played, and we chose Scott. And that was it. Really? What was what was Jeff's other band? The uh, Surgical Steel. Yes. Yes. What happened? Them? That was a great name. That ended up. I think Carcass called one of their albums that. That was a great name for a band. Yes, yes because their logo should logo S S. But but yeah. So but they were good. And Jimmy, the guitar player, we used to hang out. We used to have so much fun. You know, Jimmy was crazy. He was lovely. Jimmy was, you know, uh, Jimmy Keeler. I can't remember all the guys' names now. I should, but they would come back to me, you know. We used to go. I, I, I got to find out who the other drummer that audition was. That's going to drive me crazy now. But I I, uh, I always wondered that because was it with with – with um, Dave Holland, was it just because you were looking for something more technical drum-wise, or was what was the reason to replace him? Well, Dave left. Yeah, he, he left was. on his own accord. Yeah, he, he, he left. He came off stage one night. Glenn had had a particularly bad night, and they had a bit of an argument, and Dave said, I'm leaving. You know, um, it was a bad night. It was a bad night for us, you know. We ground to a halt in a stadium, in a, an arena, big arena. The band ground to a halt, and uh, Dave like a train a wreck, like just a stopping middle of a song. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, Dave came off and said, "That's it. Um, I'm done." He and Glenn had a, a uh, whatever, and that's it. And, and he left. 
And did, so when you were in the studio with Scott, do you were you humming the drums like you got to come in? Like who did it? Like who? Like that shit is just unbelievable. It was good knowing that we had Scott, you know, helped helped enormously with myself and Glenn because it just kind of. Don't get me wrong, Dave was a great drummer. He was as solid as they come. Dave was, Dave was. A real good drummer, you know, and um, and um, but obviously with a double kick option and knowing how fast Scott was and his capabilities, it just opened up the uh, it opened up the book for us really to be able to expand our writing really in respect of uh, what we could do, you know. Um, rhythmically you know and and did you did you fly don harry over to france to do his part on touch of evil yeah absolutely because chris tangarides was producing right and chris was great and i think was it chris that suggested don but don came over at a great time Don was great, lovely guy, and of course Don continued to participate on other other albums we did, Nostradamus and stuff like that. You know, Don's great, and uh, what a what legend! A, what a I mean, legend. he must have stories for days. I God, yeah, yeah, um, Bree's wonderful and um, good table tennis player as well. Cause, <laughs> We ended up being pretty good table tennis after Denmark, you know, because everybody in Denmark plays. Even the cleaning lady could beat us in Denmark, you know what I mean? She would put the broom down and the bucket there, stop mopping floors and go, get on the table and kick our ass. You know, everybody plays table tennis in Denmark, everybody. But anyway, they shut us away. We had to do something, but, you know, but we were very kind of competitive, especially myself in daily sports, you know. That's yeah, gotta we, be that's gotta be a perk in the KK KK's priest uh, meet and greet. You gotta play table tennis with KK. That would be you. That would be. I'll buy that package for a thousand. Well, no problem. Well, you know, I mean, we did start to take a table tennis on two wheels. Don't laugh, but you know, it's like it was interesting. You know, guys like to hit things. You know, um, but Pantera, ping pong, ping pong is metal. Pang, you know, the guys in Pantera, they had to go as well. You know, it was fun. It was a social thing, have a few beers after the show and hang out, you know. And uh, Stock Aiken and Waterman, they were good. Uh, they were good table tennis. We had a table tennis in France when we did those songs with those guys. <coughs> that was good. Who was you know? the most competitive? Like, who was the best? Who won? Well, well. Myself and Glenn were very competitive. We were probably never that great at anything, but we were very competitive. Well, KK, I could keep you for hours. I don't want to keep you much longer, but please come on for a part two and please consider this uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest offer that I'm going to send over. It's a done deal, mate. It's a done deal. You know, what, uh, you know um, America has been a wonderful second home to me and and the band for so so long so many wonderful memories you know um we spent a lot of time there you know didn't we yeah. 
an awful lot of shows. And, and of course, I was down there in Florida for six months and a couple of stints, five or six months at a time in, uh, in the Phoenix area, Los Angeles, obviously doing albums and stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, um, so we'll be back, buddy. Please get the promoters on the case. Tell us to come, tell, to bring, bring the band over and um, we'll really look forward to uh, doing the shows. We would love that. And thank you so much and, and, and best of luck with everything. We'll we'll make sure we get everybody to uh to order the record and to support you and Ripper and the boys. And uh so far everything we've heard is has been incredible and we wish you the best of luck with all the gigs that you got coming up. And and I loved the footage from you know, from your venue. That was awesome. And that was great yeah. to see the support and people were so psyched to have you back out there rocking. Yeah. We're just raring to get out there and play 10 gigs in a row and tighten everything up. <laughs> and uh, we'll get it all together. We'll be ready. And um, and best of luck to you and hate reading. Hopefully we can work together at some point, Jamie. That would be great. I'd love that. That would be okay, great. Mate. Thanks so much. Okay, Jamie, you take care. All right. Lovely to see you again, mate. You too. Thanks for everything. I love to all the band as well, mate. Tell them I said hello. Will do. Take okay, care. Yeah, bye. Quick little outro here for y'all. Thank you if you're still listening. Thank you for supporting gasdigital.com. You'll see all the shows there. Get a free trial. Go go deep dive into the archive. Also, thank you to everybody who supported patreon.com slash Josta. I got like eight new podcasts up right now. Everything from I did a whole I did a new podcast, Heart, the Hard Life podcast, where I'm just talking about people's lives who are super hard. Like Robert Redford. This dude lost like three kids fucking grew up with scoliosis got shot stat i mean his life is crazy you'll hear it all over at patreon.com slash jocelyn if you got anybody to recommend for the hard life podcast go to uh it, or go to Josta show at gmail and yes i checked the email it's actually me and thank you for all the kind words on uh on the dave from throwdown episode that was very nice and we had a great time at furnace fest and right now we got those furnace fest t-shirts we did one last reprint Head on over and get them at martyrstore.net. And while you're there, donate to Keith Buckley's new album from his new band, Many Eyes. Get your name in Keith's thanks list. Immortalized. uh, Immortalized. Get it right in there. Boom. You'll open the vinyl and your name will be in there. And you'll be like, I I played a part in this. And that's that. I sign sign every night on tour on this whole Hapri tour. Every night at the meet and greet, I was signing Corpse Grinder, Ripper, both Josta records, all three Josta records. um, And, and, you know, if I, when I was a kid growing up, I would love, even now, if I could get in like, shit, if I could get thanked in the Cranium album right now, hell yeah, I'll donate, put me in there, put me in coach, go to martyrstore.net and, uh, and yeah, no code needed. And yeah, I was going to plug the shows. They're all sold out. So thank you. I'll see you at the chance December 26th and December 29th. I'll see you in West Palm beach on the 30th. And then I'll see everybody on the boat. And then we got some more announcements. But um, but thank you for uh, your patience in getting the podcast back. It just took us a while to get all the shit ready for the Many Eyes record, which is uh, the singles coming out. The video's done. Shout out to Tom Flynn. Um, it's exciting times, everybody. So I really, really appreciate all your support and your patience. And let us know what you thought of today's episode with KK Downing. And drink your coffee, do your push-ups, listen to Death Metal. Bye. Produced by Brian McKay. 
Executive producers Jake Olszewski, Ben Lee, AJ Lewis, Garrett Keeping, Dan Smith, Nick Torito, JJ Hernandez, Joe Bartovic, Jason Jarvis, Chris Larice, Alex Smolin, Todd McKee, John Blewett, Richard Miller, Kyle Marg, Nate Leffingwell, Morgan Costner, Mark Tag, Zapagor Waikato, Niall Scollard, Kathy D'Ambrosio, Justin Steven, Jack Flanders, the Pit Commander, Andy Wilson, Jeffrey Kuhn, Kimo Humalamaki, Jonathan Metis, Brandon Cooper, Matthew Jankowskis, Jamie Kutcher, Ryan Undercoffler, Matt West, Ryan Maurice, Chad Green, Dallas Hendricks, Jacob Arensberg, Kenneth Moore, Kona Butterflies, Stephen Helm, Richard McIntosh, Jeff Stevenson, Ryan Williams, Larry Tooley, Dallas Bowen, Ryan St. Nathan Rex Madrid, Cameron Hendricks, Scandalous Official, Joe Monson, Let's Talk Resident Evil, Andrew Chase, Guy on the Couch, Chris Winchester, Antonio Reyes, Joe Otson, Dustin Stone, Lee Walker, Ryan Levson, John Hankis, Robert Bushaw, Troy Seal, Mark Horror Armenta, Jay Liberston, Nick Fowler, Mike Horgan, Emma Horgan, Arnorock, Patrick King, Oscar Brummett, Stacy Steinecke, Fernando Somoza, Patrick O'Brien, Dominique Zimmer, Ryan Sanders, Lara Snyder, Daniel Burt, Milwaukee Metal Sausage, Adam Boss.